That should give us a clue that if we want to perform, if we want to walk on this earth, if we want to reflect God, we need to study the character of God. We need to try our best to imitate God. Now we know that Jesus represents God. Jesus was a full representation of God. So we look at Jesus and his life. We look at the patriarchs and we say, what is it we can discover about who we are, who our DNA is? And I've noticed from the very beginning, God is good. God is full of grace. God is full of mercy. But God is a giver. Now, we all know John 3.16 is probably the most familiar verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. But he started giving at the very beginning. As he created Adam out of dust, he gave him life by blowing the spirit of life into him. And I don't know about you, but as I went through Genesis, I saw that God was always giving. He saw that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So what did he do? He created a helpmate. He created Eve. He gave Adam companionship. When Adam messed up, God gave forgiveness, gave covering, gave grace, gave mercy. And I think, man, Jerry, if I'm created in the image of God, then I need to work on this area of giving as well. Now, I told you three weeks ago what this church needs most out of everything else from you this year is your prayer. We need your prayer. But I also mentioned that it's important for us to talk about giving of our resources because Jesus said, if you really want to know where your treasure is, Or if you really want to know where your heart is, is what Jesus said, you need to look at where your treasure is. Now we can say, oh, this is my priority, this is where my heart is, but Jesus said really the litmus test is, well, where is your treasure? And so I want to talk today about giving in the book of Genesis, but how important it is for you and I to enter in to the spiritual, financial principles of God's word that we might live abundant lives this coming year. It's really not about money. It's about spiritual maturity. It's about trust. It's about surrender. A lot of people don't understand that. They think it's all about money. No, it's not about money. It's about where are we in our relationship with God? Are we trusting him? Are we obeying him? Are we emulating his very nature of being a giver? We're going to read in a moment the first recorded sacrifice, Cain and Abel, their offerings to the Lord, but notice as you read through Genesis, that was just the beginning. At every juncture, the great men of the Old Testament would stop, build an altar, and they would give offerings to the Lord. 
We saw it with Abraham. Abraham tithed. He was willing to put Isaac on the altar. We saw that Noah, once the water subsided, he got out of the ark, let all the animals out, and the first thing he did was kill some animals. Why? Because he wanted to give a sacrifice to the Lord. And it says Noah worshipped. Yesterday in our reading, it was a different kind of giving, but it touched my heart. Joseph, or I mean Jacob, gave blessings to all 12 of his sons. He found good, he found value in all 12. And he gave them his blessing. God's a giver. We need to be givers. Man, here at Wenatchee First Assembly, we are so blessed. I mentioned it last week. Through COVID, through not meeting for, you know, three months, for having about a third of people return in person than we normally had before COVID, our income was only down 8%. It's, it's amazing how God has taken care of us. And we've got wonderful, faithful givers. And thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much. But this message is not just about giving financially, although maybe some of you do need to stretch yourself and begin to give this year financially. Because you'll discover the blessings and joy of walking in alignment with God. I know there's lots of casual attenders that come, you know, and, and never give. Maybe some of you have just recently starting to serve the Lord and you don't understand the whole principle. And I hope you learn from this teaching and you move toward that place of spiritual blessings. In a moment, as I close the service, I'm going to read a testimony from a family who started tithing and now have experienced the blessings of God. And as I've read that testimony, I thought, man, that's what I desire of every single person here at Wenatchee First Assembly. Let's pray. Jesus, I just ask that today that you will grace our hearts and grace my words. Father, you know that you will provide financially for Wenatchee First Assembly and for every ministry that's proclaiming the gospel. But Lord, you also know there's a lot of people who are struggling financially and not allowed really to receive the blessings that you have for them. And I pray that, Lord, as we, we talk about giving today, that you will open our hearts, that, Lord, that we will be more like you, that, Father, that we will receive the uh, blessings of walking in alignment in this area of giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis 4. Let's read it. First seven verses. This is Cain and Abel. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, and she bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. 
So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Interesting portion of scripture, and when we first read it, we think, well, why? Why would God be so upset that one had grain and one sacrificed uh, an animal? It almost seems unequitable. But I want you to understand that the first issue after the fall of man, we read about Adam and Eve sinning, the fall, the first issue after the fall of man is about giving. That tells me that it's something important, something important for me to instruct you on. Now, we don't have a complete picture of everything that happened. The scripture doesn't record every single event that happened. But we do have enough information that we can make some logical, theological assumptions. And while Cain and Abel's offering in Genesis chapter 4 appears with really no or little explanation as to why the offering is even made, we've got some other scriptures that we can look at to help us understand it. First of all, we know that it was not the first offering recorded in scripture. Some people think, oh, that's the first. No, it wasn't. The very first offering recorded in scripture we read about in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 21 And the Lord God made Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Remember, they were naked, they were transparent, no embarrassment until they sinned. Sin always changes your perspective, your lens. They knew they were naked. They ran and hid. And what does God do in his grace and his loving kindness? God is the one here that gives the first offering. He offers clothing. That's a wonderful, wonderful thought. And he made the clothes out of animal skins so that they could cover their nakedness. Now, using animal skins meant that animals were killed. Ever thought about that? Well, why would animals need to be killed? Well, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So apparently, there had to be an animal sacrifice to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. So maybe the sacrifice of Adam and, or of Cain and Abel's wasn't the first sin sacrifice. I also want to propose to you today that this offering of... <laughs> of Genesis also foreshadows Christ's offering whose righteousness covers our sin. Hallelujah. I am so glad I have the righteousness of Christ because of the cross of Jesus. But in both cases, you know something? Blood was shed. Jesus shed blood that I might have righteousness Animals shed blood that Adam and Eve might have forgiveness and have clothing. Because as I said, it's found in Hebrews 9, 
you know, check it up, check on it. Hebrews 9, it says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So the fact that God made an offering for Adam and Eve's sin and that Abel and Cain are making offerings that include at least one animal's death leads me to the assumption that God had already instructed Adam and Eve and their two boys, Cain and Abel, to how to make offerings. We've got to assume that those instructions were passed on. God instructed man concerning sacrifices. How else could God either be pleased or displeased when one of them brought the fatted calf and one brought the first grain offering? See, it wasn't about the offering. It was about getting in alignment with the way that God works, with his way his his kingdom is set up. While the heart of one offering is ultimately important we know that your heart is more important than what you do we understand that but the manner of our offerings are also important to God so it's possible and even likely that this was not the first human offering ever made it's the first one recorded but I believe in our Genesis teaching both Cain and offered Cain and Abel offered more than one thing So God was not displeased with the manner of Cain's offering. He was displeased with his lack of faith, with his heart. And I say that because, listen to Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. So the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. We assume it's probably Paul. But he is writing and he says, hey, looking back at Genesis... By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God's testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe God had instructed Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel on what to give. And I think Cain wanted to do things his own way. He thought, well, you know, this makes more sense to me, so I'll just offer this instead. Maybe he didn't want to go to all the work of the animal sacrifice. I don't know. But I think that Cain had this independent spirit, this selfishness. And all sin is rooted in selfishness. That's why in the English language, I is in the center of sin. S-I-N. Doesn't work in every language, but it works in my language, and I remember that all the time. Jerry, (laughs) I. Sin is always selfish. And of course, we know there was discord among the brothers. There was separation from God. The story goes south from here. But I want to stop and look at a couple things that applies to us. Number one, your spirit needs you to give, to tithe and to give. Your spirit needs it. Your spirit. I'm not talking about your soul, where your emotions are and your logic is and your feeling is. I'm not talking about your body, 
because we'd rather spend the money on ourselves than give it away. Your spirit, which was given to you by God when he blew life into you, your spirit needs you to give and to tithe. That's how he's designed us. Just like we're designed to be in relationship. That's why this COVID has been so hard, not just on us, but on our, our nation, on our world. He's designed us to live in community, in relationship. That's why one of our values here at Wenatchee First Assembly is, is that sense of belonging, having a, a, a family a safe place that we can walk through life with. Now that's true of our material resources. It's true of our money. As I said before, Abraham gave his tithe to Melchizedek. Now you got to remember, this is thousands of years before the law. <laughs> Nobody had said anything about that it was a requirement but Abraham did it because his spirit needed it. And we know a tithe is 10%. That's what tithe means. You can give, but if you want a tithe, tithe is 10% of your income. And according to Scripture, we know that really all of our money belongs to God. We are just managers. We are just stewards. Everything has been entrusted to us by God and I tell you, I thank God that he allows me to keep 90% of all of it for myself. I don't keep quite 90%. I probably keep a little less because I've learned after I tithe, if I begin to give to missions and to the Benevolence Fund and to other ministries, man, it, it just keeps on coming back. Give and it shall be given unto you. I don't give to get. I'm just telling you what the result is. I give because I love God. I want to be blessed spiritually. Leviticus chapter 27. We haven't uh, read that. In fact, our Bible reading plan, if you notice, does not include Leviticus. Um, but it does say in Leviticus, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to God. It is holy to God. I was down in Oklahoma City. It was actually Dell City, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Oklahoma City. One time at a Baptist church, I knew the pastor there, and man, when they gave the offering, it was like, you know, I put in my offering, and then I gave the second time because I was so scared because they talked about stealing from God. Don't you dare leave the building with God's dollar in your pocket, and I'm just shaken. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a high pressure deal, but it helped me remember, you know, really everything belongs to God. And again, some people say, oh, tithing, that's part of the law. <laughs> it was instituted before the law. Jesus endorsed it after the law was fulfilled. Cain and Abel were instructed from the beginning before the law. Abraham tithed before the law. Uh, this is a principle that predates the law. And Jesus told the Pharisees, yes, you should tithe. All the requirements of the New Testament we know is actually kind of a, a step up from the Old Testament. We've talked about that. The law says don't murder. Well, Jesus comes by and says, no, 
don't even be angry at somebody in your heart. The Old Testament law says don't commit adultery. And Jesus comes by and he's, no, no, don't commit adultery, but don't even look at a woman lustfully. So the New Testament does not do away with the law. Jesus talks about tithing, but also then giving. Again, because he wanted us to thrive. Our spirit needs us to tithe. It's a law. It's a law of sowing and reaping. You plant corn, you reap corn. You don't get any corn if you don't plant corn. A couple of scriptures that you might be familiar with, I just want to remind you of. One is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind. Not reluctantly. Not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So it is a heart thing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now I mentioned that, you know, we are designed in the image of God and we're also a triune uh, being. We have a body. We have a mind, which is part of our soul. And we have a spirit, body, spirit, and soul. And we know throughout the scriptures, we're warned there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a battle between your spirit and your soul. Sometimes there's a battle between your spirit and your body. Your body's craving to do something that's immoral or illegal. And your spirit says, no, no. You, you, don't do that. It's going to destroy you. But your body's just, so you've got this battle going, and it happens all the time. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit, not by our feelings, not by our soul. Well, we can't afford to tithe. We, we can't afford to give. That, that's that battle, your soul. That's why in Romans chapter 8, uh, this whole concept's addressed, beginning in verse number 5. Scripture says, For those who live according to the flesh, or their soul, or their body, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, we want to be people of the Spirit. Not just acknowledge the Spirit. Not just ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and have the fullness of spiritual gifts. We want that, but we want to be people who live by the Spirit, who set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Man, for the last six months, I, I, I've reminded you, don't let your mind get preoccupied on things of the earth and governments and politics and viruses. Set your mind on heavenly things. And there, here it is again. Our spirit is of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead. 
He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's why you need to feed your spirit. That's why we're encouraging you. Not just encouraging you, we're exhorting you as, our, as your pastors. Man, read through the Bible with us because it'll strengthen your spirit. It will strengthen your spirit. It is so important. I remember being down at the Quilgut Indian Reservation years ago as a kid. Brother Kalapa was preaching, if I remember right. It might have been uh, Aldi Kenny. Uh, but, and they were talking about, about, man, there's a black dog and a white dog inside each of us. And they're always fighting. And he stopped and he said, you know what dog's going to win? <laughs> it's the strongest dog. And the strongest dog is the one you're feeding. Are you feeding the white dog or are you feeding the black dog? And what he was saying there is, are you feeding your spirit, the promises of God, the hope of God, the things of God? Are you feeding your soul the fear? Oh, no, we're doomed now because this happened or that happened or... Man, don't feed your soul all that negativity from the world. Feed your spirit the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit minister. Let him build you up. That's the way, friends, we're going to walk in victory. We need to feed our spirit. Who are you surrendering to? Now, I hope most of you have surrendered your spirit to Jesus for salvation. But man, I want to see you grow in the Lord. Our vision here at Wenatchee First Assembly is to inspire lifelong relationships with Jesus. To grow in the Lord, to mature in the Lord, to begin walking in the spirit instead of the soul, to become more like Jesus, to be gracious, to be kind, to be givers. Your spirit needs you to give. Galatians chapter 5, if you're taking notes, write it down. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. So that you don't know what you want to do. Your spirit needs you to tithe we need you to tithe. I just be honest. When at you first assembly, your home church, we need you to tithe. Because it takes money to do anything. I, we understand that. We can have a vision, but man, you know, we need the events, the programs, the ministry. And those things require two things. The first, which is the most important, is prayer. I preached on that. Just a couple weeks ago. We can do all the other stuff, but unless it's infused with prayer, the Holy Spirit changes people's hearts, not discipleship programs. The Holy Spirit draws people to conversion, not sermons. So that's why it's so important. We can build the big sailboat, but if there's no wind, the sailboat isn't going anyplace. So that's why prayer is so important. But money is too. Because you can't build a sailboat unless you have the supplies. We can't continue to use this building unless we pay our mortgage payment. 
We need the money for the salaries for the people who are ministering. I thought about that this week. I visited a man who's in hospice care from a different state, uh, never been to our church, um, just kind of a, an odd thing, the connection, but I had an invitation into their home to minister to them. And it was interesting, on the way there, I was just praying, Lord, give me wisdom and courage and favor and, you know. But you know, and I mean this very sincerely, what I was praying on the way back home, <laughs> I was praying, Lord, thank you for the good people in Anchee First Assembly who give to pay my salary so that I can do things like I just did. And I meant that. Our ability to live stream. We have two and a half, maybe about two and a half times the number of people watch on live stream than you see in the building. How's that possible? Because we've got the equipment? Because we had the money. And that's just what I'm saying. Over 50 ministries we support. $4,000 a month we send out of this building, out of our ministry, we support other people. Because of your faithfulness. We couldn't do that. We helped one of our senior couples recently. We helped a widow this week. We helped single moms. We do it because we're able to. Because the resources are there. The Old Testament book of Haggai says... Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? <laughs> Give careful thoughts to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, they're never warm enough. And I thought, man, <laughs> things haven't changed in the last 3,000 years. That's the way we never seem to be happy. Humans are seldom content. You know, we're always wanting more, fancier, newer. And the Lord says this, give careful thought to your ways. I just encourage, particularly the younger people, because it's, it's a proven fact. I don't know that it's statistically true of Wenatchee First Assembly because I haven't studied the numbers or had anybody look at it. But statistically, they say, the Barna Research Group says, 80% of money given to congregations are from people who are 55 years of old and older. 80% of income from people 55 and over. And here we are in a season of time. We buried four or five of the pillars of our church. And we have a couple others on hospice. And we rejoice and we walk through that with them. But I think, who's going who's gonna to step into their shoes and pray the way they prayed? And gave the way they gave? Third thing, and I'll close with this. God requires you do at least tithe. Your spirit requires it. The church needs it. But God requires it. Tithing is a lordship issue. I've always said that. You know, you can be saved. You can ask Christ into your heart to forgive your sin and, and trust him as a savior. 
But when you make Jesus your Lord, you're taking your hands off the steering wheel. You're not making decisions anymore. You're saying, God, you run my life. Jesus, you tell me what I should do. And if you say, keep away from those kind of people, I'll keep away from them. And if you say not to do this, I won't do it. And if you say to do this, I will do it. So in this area of discipleship as your pastor, I want to say, man, I want lifelong disciples of Christ to allow him full control of your life. Which means I'm encouraging you to trust him with your finances. Just as Abraham did, not just with his finances, but with Isaac. Just as Noah did, just as Joseph did. All these wonderful Old Testament patriarchs that we've read about this week in our Bible reading. And I know this kind of message is, is hard sometimes to hear because we all would rather be humming Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. Yeah. <laughs> my way. My way. Don't care about anybody else. It's all about me. That's just our natural propensity. <laughs> Again, tithing, giving has to do with spiritual ministry. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you really want to know where your heart is, Pastor Bob Adams always said, check, check your checkbook, little buddy. <laughs> yeah, look at your checkbook. Is there more money going out to missions and ministry or more money going out to movies and fine dining? Is it missionaries you're supporting or is it a better boat? Because our, our checkbook does tell us where our heart is. Luke chapter 16, begin with verse number 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what of um, not been faithful in that which is another's, remember. It all belongs to God. If we've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Tithing, giving is important. Not just for the effectiveness of ministry, I'm telling you, friends, from my heart, it's important for your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity, and the ability of God to bless you. We have a family in our church who gave me permission to share a brief testimony with you. They've been here for years and years, and they've given occasionally. They had nothing against giving, but they didn't give consistently. They didn't tithe. As interesting, at the beginning of COVID, I thought, you know, things get pretty rough. 
I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if we're going to keep our jobs. I wonder if God's going to provide. And they knew enough about tithing. They thought, you know, we better make sure we're in alignment with the financial principles of the word. Because we don't want to go into this COVID thing. Now, it's not interesting because a lot of people probably thought, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next month. I better not, better not give. A lot of people probably put, cut back on giving. This couple decided, no, <laughs> this is a step of faith, but we're going to begin to do what God has asked us to do because we need his help in the uncertain days ahead. So God began speaking about that faithfulness, and they increased their giving. Fast forward from last March, he did not lose his job, but he got a better job paying more money. God began to bless him in other ways. Her salary went up instead of down. And she wrote, the blessings of doing what God called us to do are being manifested daily to the point that our children and our family have noticed and we've been able to speak into their lives about the blessing and goodness of God. Now they have more of a witness to family and friends because they have more blessings because they said yes to giving. Praise the Lord for testimonies like that. And I believe that if all of us will simply grasp the importance, as we've read in Genesis, of giving, we will all be more blessed this coming year and others will see those blessings and will be drawn in to the family of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just want to thank you for the way you blessed our brother and sister who shared their testimony. But I also want to just thank you for the many people, Lord, who have been so faithful to giving over the years. Lord, I know there are multiple testimonies right here in this room today of people who could testify to the goodness of God where they didn't have anything to give, but they gave and it was multiplied and they had abundance. But God, I pray for those, Lord, today who haven't discovered that. Lord, I don't condemn them. I don't judge them. And I pray you'll protect their heart, that Satan won't come in and, and, and beat them up. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit will deal in their heart to guide them, that they might experience the blessings of God in tithing and giving. Thank you for this past month as we've read through Genesis, as we've read about Adam and Eve and about your goodness, about Abraham, about Noah, Jacob, Joseph. Wonderful stories, Lord. But Father, those were ordinary people like we're ordinary people, but they trusted in you. And I pray that we will do things your way, that we will trust you and each of us will experience spiritual blessings and maturity in the months ahead. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand together, shall we?